0: This is The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore.
1: Hi, it's John Moore. This is The Breakfast Wrap for Tuesday, March 28th. The weather forecast for today looks like it's going to be a cloudy day. Slight chance of a flurry or a rain shower. A high of 7 degrees. Here are the five things you need to know. Number one, it is budget day in Ottawa. Number two, city officials say there's no easy solution for violence on the TTC. Number three, the accused Keele Street station stabber may have been on release. Number four, a mega film studio coming to Markham. And number five, the Maple Leafs are going to the playoffs.
0: The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore.
1: Well, good morning. Here we are, Tuesday, March 28th. It's uh, two degrees outside. You may see some snowflakes today. We're just in that weird zone as we were yesterday. Uh, today's going to seem oddly familiar where, you know, there's a little bit of rain here, a little bit of snowflakes there. It doesn't really amount to anything. And you just keep thinking, when do we get something that seems a bit more like spring? So it's budget day. And budget day is kind of a toughie, right? Because it's not Sexy. It's not, you know, the most exciting thing to cover, but I can't think of too many things more vital to cover. We had the provincial budget last week. We will have the federal budget today. Christian Freeland went out and got her shoes yesterday. It's a fine budget tradition. I'm not actually sure, and probably some people listening right now would know for sure, so you can always let me know at seven ten ten if this shoe business is unique to Canada. I have a... A feeling—it's probably sort of a Commonwealth thing, and then maybe the uh, started in England. But I'll always, because you know, it used to be the you know the finance minister would go out, go out and get a pair of shoes, big deal. Then it turned into like everything over the last thirty years or so into something that was highly symbolic. So generally, finance ministers go out and get very inexpensive shoes because they want to signal that they understand that they have to keep the budget tight. My favorite always was John Crosby, finance minister under Joe Clark, who was from Newfoundland and somewhat of a prankster and a jokester, and he actually went out and bought mucklucks. Now I'm not sure if he actually stood in parliament in those mucklucks, but that was his big statement. So Christia Freeland went out, and I forget the retailer, but it was not a flashy one, and I think the shoes came in at like $109. bucks. i am not sure if that includes GST, but there are a lot more important things than what the finance minister is wearing as shoes. This budget is kind of critical, and it's probably a toughie for the federal liberals, because when you're in a minority government, you're always in a degree of jeopardy, but also the liberals want to continue pursuing their aggressive agenda in terms of clean tech and trying to plot the future economy, but at the same time, they have to rein in the spending for two reasons. One is because any uh, excess spending at this juncture is probably going to continue to be a floor that supports ongoing inflation. Uh, The other reason would be they've spent so much freaking money during COVID that they got to figure out a way to start trying to save it and maybe one day, maybe start paying down the debt. There have been a few leaks. Um, The biggie you probably heard about on The Rush yesterday, which is the um, extension of a grocery rebate. It was interesting. I was listening to, as I do every morning on my way in, I listened to all the reports from the night before and on CTV, There was. uh, They were talking about the fact that the poorest families would be getting about $400 in rebate for groceries. And this woman said, Well, that's great. That's not even good for a month. Okay, the idea of the program is not to provide you with free groceries for a year, it's to try to take the edge off um, buying groceries to feed your family. But I guess we come back to that disconnect I often talk about, and especially when we were talking about the municipal budget, which is. People don't seem to understand that the taxes you pay, pay for the services you want. And if you want more services, then somebody's got to pay more for that. And eventually, as uh, I mean, Margaret Thatcher once said of socialism, the problem with socialism is eventually you run out of other people's money. Um, That's not really the issue. The issue here would be that there are the services you want and need. And then there were the services that are kind of superfluous, and maybe we could learn to live without. People continue to unpack this terrible story of the 16-year-old who was stabbed to death in the Keel Street subway station on Saturday night. And you know, yesterday morning, I was expressing a degree of uh, anger. About this and saying that we really we needed something, even if it was only symbolic, you know, to to happen. Uh, that did not happen yesterday. And as a matter of fact, the headline on a feature article today in the Toronto Star: No fast or easy answers to make the TTC safe. The deputy mayor, who is basically the acting mayor, says. Well, let me read to you. Speaking at City Hall Monday, Deputy Mayor Jennifer McKelvey said she knows residents want the city to act. As a mother of two, her heart absolutely breaks, she said, for the mom of the teen killed in the unprovoked stabbing on Saturday, she said. We know we're not moving in the direction we want as a city. We know we can do better. John Burnside, who you would have heard on round one yesterday morning, said... Uh, Violence on transit is complex. Solutions will require a combination of enforcement, outreach work, and investment in social supports from all levels of government. The result, he said, may not be as quick as we like, which just is not good enough. You know, I like Jennifer McKelvey. I like John Burnside. I love that John Burnside likes not only contributing here, but he comes into studio to do it just because he kind of likes coming in, and then we have a, a yak off the air, Um, but no, I think Torontonians want something. And if that is 100 police officers deployed to the subway and the streetcar and buses um, for the time being, I know it's 1.80 officers was $1.5 million a month. That's not small change, but I'm sure we can figure it out. And if it means maybe we start slashing some things that are luxuries, like you know, windrow removal, then maybe we need to do it. So I'd like to see more action. I think Torontonians would like to see more action. In this feature article, again in the Star, which is uh, written by three different reporters, um, they profile a woman named Eden Dales. And she says she started taking the subway by herself when she was 12, but now she says every time I I'm about to tell my 15-year-old that you have to get yourself somewhere, and I think it's going to involve the TTC. I pause. Dales knows many people ride the TTC every day and are fine. Still, the anxiety lingers. She herself does not feel safe on the subway anymore. And it's not restricted to the subway. You know, I every morning I've told you about my trip from where I parked the car to the building we're in. And, you know, I come out of the stairway and onto the street, and the first thing I do is check in all directions because it's just this city doesn't feel safe. And you can tell me I'm paranoid. Go ahead. Um, But this, this city does not feel safe right now, and I think we need the phrase I've been using is shock therapy. Now, there is a story, and I'll dig deeper into it, on the other side of our... Feature what Toronto's talking about on um, CP24. Um, but there's a, an article by Brad Hunter today in the Toronto Sun about the stabbing at Kiel. And if true, This is just going to further enrage Torontonians. 5.27 is the time on a Tuesday morning. Okay, so let's take a bit of a closer look at this story. Brad Hunter writing for the Toronto Sun. Our friend Joe Warrington flagging this to us. Joe is addicted to listening to the show, and that's okay. We're addicted to reading Joe in the Toronto Sun. Uh, law enforcement sources, according to Brad Hunter, say the homeless man accused in a random murder of a Toronto teen on the TTC was, quote, out on numerous releases. The suspect, Jordan O'Brien Tobin, 22 of no fixed address, faces a charge of first degree murder. A uh, police source said he's currently out on numerous releases, probation, prohibited, bail, name it. He's been released on it. Um, The police source continues. There's a combination of drugs and mental illness issues in early. Well, that's just a previous case. Um, So we're endeavoring to confirm this. As a matter of fact, some of our own um, police experts are working their own sources to see if we can absolutely confirm this, because according to Mark Mendelssohn, formerly with Toronto Police Service, formerly a homicide detective. He says when somebody's brought in, like this person was brought in, accused of murder, then a lot of information is shut down. And so, it generally it's not publicly known whether or not somebody has a criminal record, whether or not they were out on bail, whether or not they're awaiting trial, but people will talk, because there are people who are gonna have access to information. And then you get into the interesting aspect of this whole idea of anonymous sources, because that's been quite controversial in the case of Handong, for example. Apparently, it's two different people in the Canadian Intelligence Service who have said that... He made that call to the consul general in uh, Toronto, which is not out of the ordinary. An MP would talk with a consul general; probably happens all the time. But that he allegedly said that they should keep the two Michaels um, in detention, and numerous people are pointing out that apparently the words, um, you know, the words could have been mistaken that he was actually urgently urging them to release the two Michaels, but it sounds like he's saying that they should delay releasing the two Michaels. However, the the reason I'm citing that is because in the news industry, you often rely on anonymous sources. And I'd imagine that some people who complain about anonymous sources are very excited to learn, if this information is true, that uh, with the promise of anonymity, um, Toronto police officer is actually leaking information that is relevant to this case and probably just fuels the outrage.
0: You're listening to The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore.
1: 5.36 is the time. It's budget day. All right. I know in the media, we kind of goose it up as if it's a, a, a sort of a demi-Christmas. But I think you're going to want to be listening to The Rush this afternoon. And the way things work is that it's not that we find out about what's in the budget as the the finance minister reads it out. I don't know what time it's going to be happening today, but there's this custom called the lockup and all these journalists go into a room and they take away their cell phones and they are handed the budget and then they go through the budget and then... You know, people from the government come into the room and try to tell them how great the budget is. And there will be there, you know, people also who will try to explain what some of the stuff in the budget means. But then the reporters turn around. And if you're in radio, because I've been in budget lockups, you would record three reports. And then at four o'clock or actually it's when the finance minister rises in the house, you press send. And boom, everybody can use that material right away. So it's going to be like trying to take a sip from a fire hydrant for Reshmi and company this afternoon. But at the very least, they're going to know as of four o'clock what's in the budget. And then they can start unpacking it. And then they can start talking to experts, whether or not, or or stakeholders, as they say, you know, maybe the mayor of Toronto is going to go, you know, joy, joy, joy. They gave us a hundred million dollars. Uh, But we'll see when we get there. We do know that they're going to be leaning into green tech. And we also know that this grocery credit, which already exists, is going to be continued. Aside from that, they've actually been quite tight-lipped. It's been the custom. I mean, the Ontario budget, for example, we knew an awful lot of what was in that budget. So the real surprise is just, you know what's the debt this year? What's the deficit this year? What's the projection for next year? And the problem that Peter Bethlen Falvey, the finance minister for Ontario, had is the same problem that Christia Freeland has, which is we don't really know where the economy is going right now. I mean, we haven't had a joblessness rate as low as this in a very, very long time. But interest rates are up. And incidentally, whenever I hear from people saying, oh, interest rates are up, there goes the debt uh, for the government. The government's not on a floating mortgage. The government has long-term negotiations for its borrowing. And yes, eventually it comes due, which is why this level of debt in the province and federally is not sustainable, but it's not that you know overnight they find themselves paying out more on the debt. So we're learning a little bit more about this young man who was stabbed to death, who was murdered in cold blood by a stranger at the Keele Street station. And I keep reflecting on that as a matter of fact, because that's the station, I don't end up on the Bloor line very often, but that's the station I use when I go out to visit with uh, Maureen Holloway, who you hear on Fridays on our show. And we always take the subway out and then Uber back because there's going to be some wine involved. And I never want to be one of those people. You know, you'll have somebody, the plane between Cincinnati And uh, Miami crashes, and somebody says, I was on that plane a month ago. Okay, but you weren't on this plane, so let's not get too excited about it. But when you're familiar with a place, when it's part of your habits, then it's all that much more anxiety-provoking when something as horrible as this happens. And if I'm not mistaken, the other person who was stabbed to death that was at the Kiel Station, Um, there was a woman stabbed to death uh, about six weeks ago. Gabriel, and I struggled to make sure that I try to approximate the proper pronunciation of his name because he deserves it. Gabriel Magalhães, 16 years old, unprovoked attack, murdered. Principal of his high school says in a letter to students and parents on Monday, the teen's death was a tragic loss. Gabriel was a kind student who enjoyed school and spending time with his friends and family. He will be sorely missed. Uh, flowers and teddy bears and signs and cards are piling up in a, an improvised memorial to the 16-year-old at the Kiel Station. We talked with um, John Tory back in January when he was still the mayor. And it's still—it's uh, it's a strange thing to reflect on how quickly he exited stage left. But, you know, it was a Friday night. I wasn't even in Toronto. I'm watching this on the Internet. And John Tory is gone. So now we have another administration. But back in January, we were talking about violence. And John Tory, I won't necessarily say he got testy, but he did say, you know, listen, you got to talk to the provincial government when it comes to mental health. You don't, Do you take people who are
0: mentally ill to jail? Do you take them to the hospital where they can check themselves out?
1: They need treatment and they're not getting it, so they end up in a place where they either do something that is, you know, profoundly antisocial or uh, they end up on the street, as you say. And so this is part of the perplexing thing. And, you you know, you called the mayor this morning, which is fine. I'm happy to be called and have to answer as best I can. But we all have to work at this. And you might as well have made the call in some of these cases you've mentioned to the Minister of Health, you know, to ask about about that situation. Oh, I plan to. OK, well, actually, he did kind of get testy, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> um, and actually, here's, here's the thing on our show this morning. We requested uh, an interview with Michael Tobolo, who is the associate minister responsible for mental health and drug addiction. Uh, actually, not just drug addiction, all addiction. We put in a call and a request yesterday and we were turned down. And the minister himself phoned Joe Cristiano just a few minutes ago and said, no, 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 I'm ready to talk. So Minister Tabolo will be with us at 7.05 this morning. And that could be, well, that's uh, not could be, it will be an interesting discussion. Because um, I don't know, it may be a non-starter, but I uh, I can't be alone in having reached the point where I think The change of mind in the 1990s where somebody is at liberty, even though they have mental health issues that could end up being a threat to public safety, um, that maybe that policy was was the wrong choice. Three kids, three adults shot dead by an ex-student at a Tennessee Christian school. And I just I looked at this yesterday as the news was coming out and I thought, okay, well, it's another school shooting, isn't it? There have been 89 school shootings this year. A school shooting is defined as any incident in which a gun is discharged on school property. And if you think it's a mitigating factor that somebody fires a gun doesn't hit anybody, I don't think so. I think the very presence of a gun in a school is a problem. So, 89 school shootings so far this year, and here we are, it's March 28th, last year saw 303 such incidents. One of the interesting things yesterday was there was a Fox News reporter who was getting ready, well actually was was going live when a woman kind of took things over and they really on Fox, they didn't know what to do.
0: Aren't you guys tired of covering this? Aren't you guys tired of being here and having to cover all of these mass shootings? I'm from Highland Park. Family vacation with my son visiting my sister-in-law. I have been lobbying in D.C. since we survived a mass shooting in July. I have met with over 130 lawmakers. How is this still happening? How are our children still dying and why are we failing them? Gun violence is the number one killer of children and teens. It has overtaken cars. Assault weapons are contributing to the border crisis and fentanyl. We are arming cartels with our guns and our loose gun laws. And these shootings and these mass shootings will continue to happen until our lawmakers step up and pass gun safety legislation. I'm pretty sure this was an unsecured weapon that this teenager got a hold of. We can't even pass gun safety, like safe storage laws in this country to protect kids from getting a hold of weapons that they shoot each other with.
1: And you heard it go blank for a second there because I guess somebody decided, no, 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 she's going on a rant about gun control. We can't let that happen on Fox. And then I have to imagine somebody in the control room said, let her talk. Let's see where this goes. The suspect is identified as Audrey Elizabeth Hale, age 28, a former student apparently at this school. And I know a lot of people are very heavily invested in the information that apparently this person identifies as transgender. But since we haven't been preoccupied by the gender and birth status of gunmen in the previous hundred shooting sprees, I'm not sure why this one is all of a sudden evidence of something about the suspect.
0: Subscribe today and always hear the latest episode of The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore.
1: No, I was just looking up at the monitors and Bianca Andreescu was being wheeled off of the court, and I'm bitterly disappointed because I'm a big fan, and she was doing really well, but she suffered some kind of an injury, and she's had to retire from uh, that tennis tournament, so that's disappointing. So, the health minister is under fire. It's interesting, that dump on Friday didn't really work. On Friday, as we were discussing yesterday, it's quite common for a government to reveal unpopular things. And then they just hope that by Monday everybody's forgotten about it. And so, you know, yesterday we were discussing the business of people who don't have OHIP cards, not, well actually they will get treatment, it's just the hospital will end up having to figure out how to absorb that cost. But then a lot of people who don't have an OHIP card, even if they're having issues, are just going to not go see a doctor and not go to the hospital and they're just going to weather it and hope for the better. So we talked about that issue yesterday and Michael Warner, uh, the emergency room doctor, joined us to describe some of the circumstances under which somebody doesn't have an OHIP card. And today, the story is about the health minister, Sylvia Jones, batting back against the fact that the government is scaling back on free eye tests for seniors. Also, well, no, that one that one, we already knew about. Uh, they say, if there is one individual who chooses not to take their loved one to a hospital, that's not the quote I wanted. Um, listen, the health minister is pushing back on the fact that they are scaling back on uh, free eye tests for seniors. You have an expectant look on your face, Nick. Is that because we have some audio of the health Absolutely. minister? Absolutely, the audio deliciousness. Audio deliciousness. Let's listen to Sylvia Jones. <laughs>
0: percent of Ontario optometrists voted in support of this deal. They worked very closely to ensure that we were looking at all of the services where they needed to be expanded, which of course we have expanded in appropriate areas like access to glaucoma, and also saying, where are those investments and where do those pieces need Response? to be? Is it a healthy 65 year old who has no eye issues, or is it that young patient who has um, diabetes, that senior who has glaucoma?
1: All right. Did, did they fade out on her, or what? They, they cut her off. Really? Okay. It's, I can never quite follow what's going on at Queen's Park. I guess Robert Benzie could explain it. But it's always uh, interesting how things are managed because you only have the microphone if you are recognized. And I guess she ran out of the clock on her answer. Toronto police have issued a photograph. Actually, it's York Region police have issued a photograph of a mystery woman. Uh, police are trying to identify an unknown woman who was found in the greater Toronto area. Uh, this woman is nonverbal, and police described her as Caucasian with a thin build, standing five foot seven, about 110 pounds. And they released an image of her that's somewhat haunting, because remember, she's nonverbal. They don't know who she is. She clearly can't communicate to them who she is, and presumably she's got loved ones. Uh, I would imagine this is one of those things that is may have even been resolved in the night hours, and we'll find out about it this morning, but I'm sure it's not going to last long. Have we put that image on our social media? We can do so, so that if anybody's able to help out, they can. Very excited about, um, you know, Ryan Reynolds is this... He's the whole deal, right? I mean, he's a good-looking, hard-bodied guy who's incredibly successful, fantastically rich. He's hilariously funny. Everything he touches uh, turns to even more money. And as a matter of fact, as as a business person, I guess he's triple blessed because anything he gets involved in, because of his personal brand and his sense of humor and his success, Everything works. So he gets into a partnership with a bunch of guys on a gin called Aviation, and he makes a couple of funny commercials about it, and then even does a bunch of stuff on social media, which, of course, is free advertising. Um, If memory serves, he sold the company for like a billion dollars. Now, he had partners, so he doesn't get all that. But it was an incredible success and I'm not sure I've tasted aviation gin. I'm not sure if it necessarily is any better than Hendrix or you know, Bombay Sapphire, but because of Ryan Reynolds involvement, it became incredibly successful. Now it's not as easy to market a film studio, but I have to think that this investment is also going to work out well for Ryan Reynolds and um, good morning, Mayor Scarpitti and Markham because Ryan Reynolds is one of the many investors in a brand new uh, soundstage complex that is going to be built in Markham. And if it goes according to plan, it's going to be the biggest soundstage in all of Canada. And Canada has a lot of soundstages. One of the wonderful things about our film industry and an example of why sometimes it's a good idea for government to use seed money to create something. Years ago, we mostly used tax credits to tempt people to come to Canada to film things here. And in the beginning, they would come they would come, and they would bring the principal individuals involved in the production with them. So the director would be an American, the cinematographer would be an American, um, you know, sort of the, the top. Fifteen technicians would all be an American. Uh, we created rules if you wanted the credits. Then roles had to go to Canadians. But the thing is, over time, Canadians became quite talented at all of these jobs. And Canadian actors had the chance to do great work and then to graduate from being like an extra to being an actor, which is somebody who has seven lines, uh, to being a feature, I think it is. Uh, which is more than seven lines, but not a star, and then you have principal. Um, And over the years now, I mean, you go on a film set or a television set like The Boys, which shoots here in Toronto, and there are all kinds of Canadian actors. All the extras, obviously, are actors. But think for a second of what goes into film and television production. You know, from everything from the portable washrooms sometimes to the trailers to the catering to the people who run, to build the sets and run the electric, um, the, the people who drive the cars. It's incredibly labor intensive. It's very well paying because it's all unionized. And so I can only imagine that the construction of a brand new soundstage in Markham is going to be an incredible injection of money. That's The Breakfast Wrap. Thanks a lot for listening. My name is John Moore. I hope we'll talk again soon.
0: You've been listening to The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Don't forget to subscribe and get the latest episode from wherever you get your podcasts. And listen weekday mornings from 5 to 9 on News Talk 1010.